Welcome to the High Reliability Podcast, presented by Goslin Martin Associates. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Goslin Martin Associates. The High Reliability Podcast is focused solely on the healthcare facility management professional, and it's sponsored by The Career Hub. The Career Hub is powered by Goslin Martin Associates. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do. You can link to it off of our main page. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to let you know that we have many job opportunities. This is kind of your... Uh, your advertisement, but the um, market seems to be picking up a bit. We've rolled many opportunities out over the past couple of weeks or so. This week, we rolled one out uh, at the prestigious Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa. If you want to see all of our open opportunities, please go to goslinassociates.com, click on the jobs tab, and you will see them there. So that advertisement is done. And with that, I'd like to welcome Mike Canales to the High Reliability Podcast. Mike is probably a familiar name to many of you. He's a 27-year healthcare engineering professional, including 21 years spent as a hospital facility director. In 2013, he took a career transition. He transitioned out of the hospital into what has become for him a natural extension and enhancement of his career. He's currently the healthcare engineering program director at Owensboro Community and Technical College that's in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mike established the program in 2013, and as the program director, he's the driving force, and he's the passionate voice behind the first-of-its-kind healthcare facilities leadership degree and healthcare facilities technician program. Mike has been an ASHI member for most of his career, and he earned his CHM, CHFM certification in 2013. If you've been to the ASHI conference recently, obviously not this year, you've probably seen Mike there um, with our Owensboro Community College. He is a um, he is usually found around and speaking about the program. He was a founding member, though, and past president of the Virginia Society of Healthcare Engineers. Mike has his master's degree in personal organization leadership, business administration, and management. He has his Bachelor of Science in Electronics, Engineering, Technology. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Pete, uh, glad to be here. I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to our, our conversation this morning. Well, thank you. Mike and I were, were speaking before I started to record, and not sure where you are as a listener, but it is a beautiful fall day, both up here in Massachusetts and where Mike is in Kentucky. Hopefully, it's the same for you. It's the best time of year. We think, and we're enjoying it, and hopefully you're enjoying it, and hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast. So Mike is is a little bit of, um, has a different career path than people have taken, than folks we've talked to previously. Mike, just as way of beginning, how did you transition from a director of hospital services to a program director of a college? It seems to be a interesting career decision that you made. Well, thanks, Pete. You know, looking at it, I, as you asked me that question and set it up as we were talking, it really goes back quite a ways. I can see how my path was always there when it came to education, um, you know, all the way from getting my electronic engineering degree to wanting to really be in healthcare. And even I even touch on, I'll touch on later, my, my mom, I helped her get her high school diploma back when I was in school. And I remember working with her. And, um, and so throughout my career, I've always been sort of mentoring, teaching, training. When I got into the hospital environment, I was doing a lot of orientation, obviously, for 20-some years for, you know, everything with related to life safety and fire drills and emergency management and on and on and on. And so as part of a facilities director role, I felt like my job was always educating and training. That was just one core who I was. And uh, it really got put on steroids when I stepped into the facilities job. 
And the very first thing I was handed was this document called the, you know, BBI SOC PFI, you know, and I'm like, what is this? You know, basic building information, statement of condition, plan for improvement. And it was a pretty thick document. And I didn't understand it at all at the time. And I remember going around to the organization to see who had filled this out before and who understood it. And I, I got nothing. I, I really got no answers. And it was like, just figure it out. Use the previous one as the template. And I felt very uncomfortable as I was going through it and realizing there's a lot of this stuff I don't know. Like and what, what year, um, it was what year yeah. was that? What year yeah. did that happen? That, that 1998. Okay, so you know, so not a long yeah. time. I mean, you know, recent kind of twenty two years, not yeah. an eternity. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it, it wasn't that long ago, and I just I just spent the previous four or five years developing a clinical engineering department that covered five hospitals, and I was taking that department to ISO nine thousand and four certification nineteen ninety four. So that's a that's a metric for quality and for service delivery. And, and again, I was training my department on all those pieces and parts. And my, my VP said, why are you doing that? And I said, well, if something happens to me, the, the department will go on. I mean, nothing will really change. And then he said, well, why don't you go do something similar in facilities? And I really told him, why me? <laughs> like, whoa, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of happy where I'm at, you know. And uh, he said, why don't you go into facilities? He persuaded me and I entered into facilities. And again, it started with that, that, that document. And then it became joint commission within a year. And then again, everything was learning, learning, learning. And I tell you, the one thing that I felt at that moment was alone and isolated because you had all this information, you had no one to talk to. And I think that's really, I mean, that's really, uh, you know, an advertisement for networking and membership and chapters and peers and, you know, everything that we, we learn as we go along, Hey, you've got great peers around you. You can contact, you have this great network, you know, you really need it. You need the network. And, and I would say too, that's, that really is the heart of this program. Fast forward. I'm at my second facility in Virginia, nice little health system, 70 mile peninsula, 13, 14 buildings, you know, hospital, long-term care, you know, cancer center, oncology, hospice, you know, I have all these facilities going on and then we get purchased. My goal for going there was to build a hospital. I'd done a lot of small projects, you know, towers and MRIs and, you know, I'd done some, you know, renovations and, you know, multiple moves and things like that. I wanted to build a hospital. I thought it'd be great to build a hospital from scratch, kind of put all the ISO 9004 stuff baked in right from the beginning with everybody and have this little gem of a system. And what, what happened, we got purchased and then we got scaled down. What happened, we went from a system to almost a critical access facility. And then the plans at the very end were to build not a 150 bed facility, but a 40 bed. Wow. And there were, the directors were all going away. And I was one of the last standing directors. I saw the writing on the wall. If I didn't go up within the corporate structure, I needed to find another role or become essentially a supervisor. And so I start looking for a position and I had my plans to go to another organization and I was pretty happy with it. I thought it was be a great fit for me. And at the same time, I had helped establish the, the Virginia Society of Healthcare Engineering, which is all about development. And we had started a thing there where we start bringing technicians to our chapter and we start trying to figure out how can we really grow the chapter? How can we bring more people in? How can we create, again, succession planning, leadership, all that kind of stuff. And then this job popped up in Kentucky. At the same time, I was interviewing for the other position. I was waiting for a final decision. And that job happened to be this academic program, first ever, um, there in Owensboro, Kentucky. And um, I remember when I told my, my, my wife about it, she said, no, I don't think so. I said, well, I'm just going to look into it. And so I start looking into it. And ironically, my peers encouraged me to go into it. They were like, Mike, you'd be perfect for this. This is, you know, you're passionate about education and all that kind of stuff. And there were three other things that happened that year, 2012, that really made me think hard about it. My mom had Lou Gehrig's and was dying, and I was doing a lot of healthcare with her. I completed my Ironman, which I'd planned to do since I was a very young person, and I did that. 
Um, the hospital's decision, as I mentioned, was a big thing. And then the organizational direction where I was like, okay, I might have to find myself another another place. And it was funny. I was at a, I was actually at a conference, an ASHI conference, really mulling this over. Man, should I do this? I knew career-wise it was a mistake in a way because financially it was going to be a massive hit. you know. And I knew that I was kind of starting over in a way at probably the prime of my facilities career. I'm a 47-year-old guy thinking, you know, I got <laughs> I got 21 years of experience, right? Yeah. And uh, so what happened was um, I got a, I got a couple of phone calls and these phone calls were no one could have planned them. They were the kind of calls that come out of the blue that pretty much said you need to take this job. And so I did. I, I took the position. And when I got to Owensboro, interesting enough, it, it was sponsored by the state chapter, uh, Kishi, Kentucky Society and Ashy. They, they had put money towards it. And that particular president was a very innovative kind of fella, kind of unique for a college. Ironically, he was a lawyer who was sort of a current recent president of a college. And he wanted to try it. So, you know, so the, I, I went there, I, I took the position um, and that really established the beginning of it. And then I, I've done a lot of learning since I've been here for seven years and um, and have started the program. So that's the start. That's how I kind of got here. Um, and then, of course, now seven years later. It's interesting. I mean, there's a uh, man, there's a lot in that answer. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot. A lot oh, really it took stands. a lot. It took, trust me. Trust <clears throat> me. I, every, I, every year I ask myself for several years until recently, I said, was this a smart move? I have asked myself year after year after year, because there's a lot of, you know, what I'm trying to do is not, it's unique, I guess, that we don't embrace a pathway like this. This is, this is not what we, we have done before. So I'm kind of carving new territory. Yeah. And, and actually let's go back to, you know, let's go back to 1998. And because I think, you know, part of this, why I like doing this podcast, why I like having people on is I, I think in retrospect, a lot of the times you're able to judge your career. You're not able necessarily to figure it out while you're in it. But then when you look back and you can see mm-hmm. your building blocks kind of make sense for where you are now. And certainly yeah. you do. I mean, you've always kind of had that education and passion. And even though you're, you're a healthcare engineer, you've got that soft skill side that was just itching to get out and you got it out. But let me just, in 98, when you said, I'm all alone here at this hospital, you know, you had nobody to go to. How did you figure it out? What did you do? Well, networking was a big part of it. I know that's when I really started leaning on more of the resource I had available to me, which would have been Ashy, would have been one for sure. Um, I think that really galvanized my 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 relationship with Ashy. And then, um, you know, the state chapter there in Ohio wasn't really that well established in central Ohio where I was. So that really wasn't either. The other part was just becoming voracious of diving into the compliance documents. I mean, I just... Mm-hmm. You know, started just un- try to understand them and unpack them, and really, the, 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 at the time, obviously, joint commission. There are elements of performance. I just drilled into their elements of performance, and I just started doing crosswalks, and I started say, okay. And the other thing I leaned to too was the, the vendors and the contractors, because a lot of them had been there for several years. You know, usually your vendors and contractors, you have this, you know, sometimes decades relationships with them, so they understand parts of your building better than your own people do many times. Mm-hmm. So I started leaning on them and they were great. They were always wanting to you know, help. And I found that to be true all the time. They were always like, hey, you know, but I also found out, too, they don't work in a hospital. So they're like touching one part of the elephant mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily yeah. even understand how the elephant necessarily works. And so that was the only other thing I found as I went along is like, you know, they understand the hospital. They come in at this angle. They get this equipment. They know the people and the customer relationships. But how do you operationalize this knowledge for your maintenance folks or your managers? That was the thing I found was where I had to sort of bridge. That was the bridge I start working on all the time. Interesting. Um, and then, so let's fast forward. A, a, another item, you know, you talked about, I'm sorry to hear about your mother in 2012. Lou Gehrig 2012 was kind of that year for you. And I know that um, 
you know, my mom passed in 96. And when you have people who are close to you who die, very often it kind of makes some life changing decisions for you. I think yes. it forces you to, oh, yeah. it forces you to step back and you just look at things in different lights. And I know that I did that looking way back to then, but you know, in, in, it was that difficult. Was, was that a difficult step back? And cause I know sometimes people get stuck and obviously you didn't, you know, you move forward. Can you talk a little bit about kind of that process and what compelled you to, to kind of go through all these three events in 2012 and just move on and, and, and really turn it upside down? Well, I think the other part that threaded through the whole, my whole career was this, it's kind of an 80, 20 rule thing. I had found that when I was always trying to train and develop and advance and, and my folks, 20% of the folks that I worked with within every department got it, wanted it, and embraced it. 80% were sort of either actively or passively kind of resisting change, if you will. Yeah. And so that was always a challenge. And when I was in Ohio, I inherited a union group, a half union, ham non, 60 union, 39 union. And I found that the union group was even more difficult to, obviously, they, they didn't embrace change quite as quickly as the non-union group. And so that, and your, I found uh, that in both. Yeah. Who was your union group and who was your non-union group? Who, who was your union group? Who well, was your non-union my, group? Well, my union group was my uh, uh, environmental services. It was plant and it was maintenance. My non-union was security and clinical engineering. Okay. Okay. And so it was, again, and, and, and so the challenge really there was, uh, and, I, and again, previous to that, remember, I was pushing ISO 9004. I was I was doing something. In fact, my my facilities director or my VP was like, "Stop! <laughs> You've taken this far enough," kind of thing. And uh, and so so here here East meets West. I come into a union group, and I'm just like I'm in a mission here, you know, to create foundation and all that kind of good stuff. And it was a wall. I mean, I hit a wall. I I mean, I hit a wall like I'd never hit before. And I had to sort of recalibrate. And that actually that became facilities. This became sort of a, a theme, if you will. Um, I like to talk about a guy in my second hospital, John Wayne Savage, my colorblind painter who became my telecom person, who became my med gas person, who became my building automation systems person. He just ate information and grew. And, I, I, and to this day, we're great friends. When I go to Virginia, I stay with him. You know, we hang out together. I, we call and talk all the time. And how so are you I have people like that. How's, how's John a colorblind painter? Oh no, he couldn't see colors. He's colorblind. I know. It was funny because we talk about time. He just again, he said to me, Mike, it doesn't matter. In fact, he was classic. He said, I don't pick the colors. The the customer picks the colors. So he didn't yeah. get involved in colors. He just wanted he just put it on perfectly. <laughs> you know, he, just, he was he just, just a fantastic the, painter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And he yeah, and he always asked people's input. You know, is that a good color? Do you like that kind of stuff too? So it kind of sort of worked for him, you know. And um, but no, he's fantastic. And I, and people like John have inspired me along the way. I can name 20, 30, 40, 50 people today that have come into the HFL program that have inspired me. You know, some of them are instructors in my program today. Some of them I've helped. Some of them said to me, look, Mike, I would love to live in this part of the country. Can you help me? And they're there, you know, and and and, and I know this is maybe for a little bit later. But what I love about what I'm doing is I see how I'm helping people write their own personal professional story. And giving them an opportunity to do it. And that's what keeps me in it. I mean, one of the other really caveats my mom and, and when she passed was the only reason I was actually able to do this, I literally used my life inheritance, my inheritance from my mom. Now, my, I didn't get it all in nine siblings. So, but I got a piece, a big wow, enough piece that I was able to, to stay in. The, I was able to hang out in this position for as long as I have and get through the really rough spot of the transition, which did get rough, you know, back, you know, a couple, four or five years ago. But, um, but now I'm kind of, you know, through that piece of it, the program's pretty much is, you know, getting established 
And uh, but that was 2012. That was my mom too. You know, all those pieces, education. You know, I had my bachelor's degree, which is really what helped me get the job back in 1998. That requirement, having a bachelor's, you know, was part of it. So um, you know, education has always been there. And so when that happened in 2012, I really did look at my life. So you know, what do you, what should you be doing with yourself? And again, I had a lot of people affirming to me. By the way, one of the calls I have to tell you, one of the calls was somebody I hadn't heard from in five years. Called me out of the blue. I'm at the conference. He literally said to me these words. This is all he said. Honestly, this is the truth. He said, Mike, I felt like I needed to call you to tell you that you're a wonderful teacher. That's what he said when I answered the phone. Yeah. Yeah. He said that. And I had worked with him training running. I, I had helped him get, become a good runner. He became an excellent runner. And he, he, he used to argue with me all the time about my, my methods. <laughs> and then, and then, then he comes back and says, Mike, guess what? I'm working with these pros and they say everything you said and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And he goes, I just want you to know you're a wonderful teacher. And, and, and those words, it was almost like, wow, that's, that's like a message from right. God, okay? You know, yeah. it's things like that. I've had the, the blessing to be able to be told basically what to do sometimes sure. in my life when I don't want to do it. And that well, kind of moved, you- that really moved me. That moved, that moved me. And my wife also agreed after we visited Owensboro, there were several people. She came here and she said, yeah, I, I would move here. That was important as well. Well, tell us about the program, Mike. Well, HFL program, really, that was interesting. When I first got here, I think the vision of the folks locally was that I would do a program for people coming out of high school or early young people into the facilities management world. And I literally was like, whoa. <laughs> I said, I don't know how you can do that with a program like this. I don't know. My vision had been for those people in the in the industry. And so, so there's nobody kind of go around. There's nobody. There's nobody in the program when you come aboard. That's you're starting from scratch. No. It's a it's a well. Vision. There is a there's a list of interest. So they collected okay. this list of interest uh, through Kishi uh, and Ashi, and so I had this I had this list. It was a pretty good list of people that were interested, which I learned later. Interest doesn't necessarily mean you know enrollment. Um, so, um, but I had a good list to work with and what happened was I went through that uh, list and from that list, I was able to get, um, about, I think it was 21 or 23 in the first class, uh, back in 2014, January. And so that started the very first class. And then I learned everything else about the adult learner and the adult learner is a very unique. In fact, I've done so many things here that are, has helped the college actually through COVID and through online. A lot of the systems they've used here as we transition because of COVID, are all because of the HFL program. One thing is something called EdReady. It's a national um, entrance placement for reading English and math that you can take at your own computer that you don't have to go to some special building to get placement for college. And and my program, HFL piloted that program, and now it's out there nationally, not just here in the state here, but across the country. And that was one of the things that they use now because they can't bring people in to do placement testing in a room, right? So that was like one little thing I helped the college, again, do because of HFL. Plus, I also do something else kind of unique with the adult learner. I fill out the application with them and for them because there's so many mistakes made through the application process. It creates all kinds of back-end issues. And so I just do it. So I make it as good as possible so it goes through the first time. And I get to know the person. I do a background form. You know, I catch probably 80%, 90% of my enrollees that way. And I really get to know them you know, from around the country. I've enrolled students from, I think, 38 states now um, around the country. And so the program itself was designed for, in my mind, was designed for that adult learner. My sweet spot is the 35 to 55-year-old mm-hmm. who, who, who wants the opportunity to promote. And that's what I've really seen. I love that, that group, too, because they grow so fast because they have experience. They have time. They're seasoned. They're a little settled. You know, their time management is, is, is improved. And it gets better in the program. So, so the program was really designed for the, the HFL person. I bring some people in with CHFM. I also bring people in that have uh, administrative degrees because they need the core competencies. 
So I started with the HFL degree, but then I developed the HFL diploma again for like those administrator types needed core competencies. And then I did an HFF credential, healthcare facilities foundations, because a lot of people think they want to be in healthcare facilities. And the HFF is a great way to get a nice little credential and say, yes, this is for me, or maybe it's not. And I always say, look, if you can be professional about this, go forward. If you can be passionate about it, go forward. But hopefully you can be both. You can be professional and passionate and go forward. And I see that happen. So the HFF is a, is a certificate. The cool thing about that HFF certificate is that you don't need any placement English reading math because it's core to the industry. And so those three credentials were the core credentials. But then there was another credential I had to develop. And it's actually not actually a credential, a certificate today. It's called Safe Day One. You see it on the ASHI website, Texas, Virginia, Kentucky. And it's a comprehensive orientation to healthcare facilities. That's the way I see it. And I needed it because a lot of people come to and look at the program, Healthcare Facilities Leadership, and they don't know what it is. So academically, I call it healthcare facilities orientation in the college, but it also created a, cert, a, a, cert, a certificate called Safe Day One. So that was a fourth credential that occurred in the process that's out there now. And then when I'm having all of these folks in my program, a lot of technicians becoming managers, they kept saying the same thing to me. Mike, we need something for our technicians. We need something for our technicians, you know, because our technicians need to be developed because we're decentralizing to outpatient facilities. These folks are almost like supervisors and leads out there. They need to understand effects prevention and life safety, and they need to understand, you know, medical gas and ventilation and so on and so forth. And so I said, okay, I'll work on that. So four years ago, I did a survey in Indianapolis at the ASHI conference, and it was overwhelmingly positive that, yes, if you develop this credential, we would help, we would put people in it. And so that, that birthed the HFT, Healthcare Facilities Technician Certificate, which actually I'm still trying to get going, believe it or not. It, 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 the, it's really interesting. Um, that begat something else because to, to explain the Healthcare Facilities Technician credential was difficult. I kept repeating myself how this works. I generate all these competencies. You check these off at your facility. You give them to me. I give you experiential credit. You marry that with some classes. You get a certificate. And the industry still doesn't quite get that just yet, but they're starting to. But what they did get was what came at the end of that certificate, and that is a professional development certificate called Certified Healthcare Facility Technician, CHFT. And that launched this year, and I do have a lot of folks getting involved in that. So, so those, those, those credentials, those six credentials right now, has really been the heart of the program to this day. So and obviously, I'm still doing it. I need a bachelor's, HFL, which I'm, I'm, I'm committed to, but I need about 200 students in the program. And I've had about between 40 and 70 the last couple, three years. And I really need about 200 because in order to attract a four-year university, um, they, need, they need you to have at least 25 to 50 people coming every year out of your program. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm at. So that, that's a nutshell right there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot that's of a info. Lot. Um, and people can obviously go to, what's your website? What's the website if people want to learn more? Because it's a lot of info uh, to take, but just, it's good info. Where to go? Yeah. It, OCTC. Um, just look for Oldham's Rural Community Technical College or OCTC. Um, and you'll find me, OCTC HFL. Google OCTC HFL and you'll find OC, me. OCTC HFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said, um, so... Um, Students come out with their associate's degree in the program? Yeah, the ones that go all the way through get the associate's applied science, and I transfer a lot of them to bachelor programs, or several of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when they transfer into bachelor programs, and that's what you're trying to get to now, to have the bachelor's, but do they go to stay within Owensboro, or do they they go go to different... They go to a different college currently. They usually take like personal organizational leadership, healthcare administration. Um, there are several management degrees that the HFL transfers directly into now with about three or four colleges. 
So they'll, they'll go on to more management. They go to management type degrees now, or they might try to go to something else. I have found I had one student try to go into an advanced engineering degree and it really didn't transfer. Um, but otherwise, if they go into management degrees, it does transfer. And those soft skills are important. That is very valuable because a lot of my uh, students come to me as technicians, a lot of electricians, a lot of HVAC folks, carpenters too. And they get those soft skills, which they really need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, we find that in our you know, we're on recruiting work, the soft skills, you know, it's really just changing rapidly, but soft skills are 50% of it. I mean, you can be great technically, but if you don't have the soft skills, if you can't communicate, if you can't articulate a vision, it's going to be awfully hard for you to succeed. You really do need both these days. You can't have one without the other for success. You talked about, Mike, your, um, your, your split of students. Are your students predominantly working in healthcare facilities now what's that split between people who are currently in it versus people who may be coming from you know another maybe pharmaceutical or the military what's your what's your uh, right. what's the, your student it's makeup yeah it's 90% it's 90% working in the industry 90% and i have a couple of traditional students and then i usually have some that are actually like administrator types or owner types that want to know more about the competencies um, occasionally I'll get um, someone who occasionally I'll get like a contractor who wants to get into healthcare, you know, an outside vendor, mm-hmm. but typically they're inside the industry. They're actually working industry and about 50% are first time college. Oh, really? So that's neat too. I get a lot of first time college. Yeah. I get a lot of first time college, which is really exciting. Um, yep. So what is, um, you know, and I'm sure you've, you've tracked it, but what are your students saying about the program? What, well, and, and I'll tell you like, this. what I, are they saying? And then yeah. what's a, is there anything that's a surprise to them too, Mike, that they didn't anticipate going in that they came out like, yeah. wow, I didn't expect that. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I can embarrass a bunch of them. And I got some that'll let me too. So I'm going to pick on Ronnie Cecil, <laughs> <laughs> my guy down in Florida. Uh, and I love, Ronnie won't mind. Ronnie won't mind. Ronnie won't mind. There's no editing. The thing Ronnie's, is, Ronnie's went, on the, Ronnie's yeah, in the spotlight. Yeah. <laughs> No, Ronnie, we've told the story many times. So Ronnie, when he came to the program, you know, he was an HVAC guy who, um, again, did great. I, Ronnie's wonderful. He's down in Florida now. And uh, he, one time he came to me and he said to me in the class, Mike, why am I having to learn all this stuff? I'm never going to use it. And then he got the job, a really neat job down in Florida where he actually helped build his own hospital that he's taking care of now. And he called me later and said, Mike, I feel like I'm back in school. Everything we learned, I've applied and I'm applying. Wow. Great. And so so you you sort of get that because really you don't know what you don't know until you, you need it, right? And you use it. And the other thing my students say too is, um, you know, Justin Gibbons, another student um, in the program who's actually got promoted into, into a director's role while he's been in the program, uh, said to me, Mike, you know what this has really done? It's helped straighten the learning curve. And that's a really, and I like, actually, I would say it this way. I always said to myself, the first joint commission, they get you. The second joint commission, you almost get it. And third joint commission, it comes at you slow enough. You probably got things together. So it takes about seven to 10 years to kind of really get it down. I think, you know, going through accreditation cycles. And so what I like to do is take those three accreditation cycles, if you will, sort of compress it into this program. So hopefully by the time you come out of the program, you you feel like you really have a foundation and you're ready for it. And that's kind of, I think that that's the feedback I get. They feel like, yeah, I'm ready. I, I understand this profession and they can build on it. And I think that's probably, and again, if I could call you know a dozen of my graduates or in fact, two of my, my graduates are now instructors in my program. That's been another exciting, you know, continuing change in the program. So my graduates are becoming instructors, which is really exciting. That so they is, really, really, you, they, they love, yeah, yeah. No, no, keep going. I was just, Go I, I have a question, but no, finish, finish it off. 
Oh, I was just going to say is, you know, they, they really, they, and they refer, most of my new students come from referrals from my existing students, which is kind of neat too. They, they, they actually like to refer their supervisors or their technicians. They see, you know, a future growth path for them and they direct, they, they send it back my way. So it's neat. I, I think uh, ultimately they've been very, very supportive of the program. If I had to think of any kind of negative as it relates to the program, um, I guess it would just be, you know, a lot of them are just, I lose students every year to hurricanes. I lose them to floods. I lose them through tornadoes. I lose them through joint commission. I lose them through soccer and football and college. And they go away sometimes one, two, three, four years at a time. And, and they are part-time. Most every one of my students are part-time, take one or two classes a semester. So it takes them about four years to get through. So it takes a while to get through. And sometimes they have to disappear for a year. I had one just come back after four years. Wow. And the program's only about six. <laughs> yeah. So does he, like, does okay, he... life, life has settled down. I'm back. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. person just picks up exactly where he left off four years ago. Exactly. And that's one of the biggest challenges for the college, too. The college isn't used yeah. to these part-time students that come and go all the time. And I would say probably 50% of my students come and go. And the other 50%, most of them are very much part-time. So it takes a long time to get them through. That's why I threw the number 200 out there. If I had 60 students full-time, the college would just be in love with it. But because they're part-time, it's like having 20. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and just that's how they that. look at it. That's how exactly. And my goal, honestly, is to create a pathway that's compulsory for our profession and emulate this to where maybe we have five, six, seven, eight of the colleges like mine around the country. But we need to get it started. You know, I'm, that's been my heart, my passion. How do I get this thing moving? You know, I want to prove to the college that we exist and we want this. You know, because they do what look at your, me sideways uh, still. Because yeah. well, that that was what I wanted to ask you. Because I mean, you know. That even when you're working in healthcare facilities within a hospital, when you're the hospital employees, they look at you sideways because they don't necessarily know what you're doing. What's that like in academia where oh. they, ha- they probably have no <laughs> idea about healthcare? Fac- like, what do they think of no. you? What do they think of your program? And how do you, no, you're so passionate. No. How do you tell them what you do? What's yeah. that like? It's so funny. Uh, the t- irony of the timing of this conversation is I'm up for promotion for a full professor and I have to tell them what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I kind of and, and and they already they've already called me and said, look, my warning, you don't look like anybody else. You know, you don't have all this internal service on campus. You know, nobody yeah. ever hardly sees you. You know, you're going to have to really tell us what have you been doing. And um, and interesting enough, I, I just called and said, listen, this, my goal and my passion is to build a pathway on an industry that's never had one. I said, but today I've had a lot of people that are impacted by what I've been doing. I said, can my angle be? Because I, I I talk to students all the time and graduates. People, I get not just students, people, my peers all the time. I'm kind of a mentor. I'm kind of a conduit, if you will, for a lot of folks around the country. And they call me. And so I, I'm in a mentor relationship. I'm in a peer relationship. I'm in a professor relationship. I'm in an educator rela- relationship. And so what I'm going to do is I say, can I reach out to my the folks I've impacted? Can they basically just fill out a quick questionnaire saying, Mike has been impacting the profession. He has been creating this pathway. And here's one paragraph on how he's been doing it. And if I can, can I use that and kind of put that in my folder? Because everyone does that. They load it up with all the stuff they've done, right? And so, and they actually said, yeah, that's a good angle. Why don't you do that? So ironically, I'm going to be kind of reaching out to my, my peers and my graduates and others and say, folks, you know, can you kind of just give me a paragraph on what I've been doing? Because the college doesn't know. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right. And so they, they do, they do kind of, but they kind of, they kind of keep looking at me like, we think Mike, this actually might happen. You know, I keep trying to, in fact, I don't go and get as excited as possible, as much as I used to. I used to get real excited. <laughs> Now I just got to stay away a little bit, and you know, because they've heard my my excitement too much, and uh, 
And, uh, but I do have some really exciting, I do really have these really exciting moments going on that I love sharing with them, you know, more recently, you know, with the the certified healthcare facility technician, you know, I'm starting to get, you know, I'm working with a local hospital. I'm training all their folks right now, you know, all 28 technicians. I do, I do a biweekly training session out there and um, it's all about getting their technicians. They want to get everybody certified. And that's been really cool. It's been really exciting. And then they're expanding it to the other hospitals in the system. And I'm starting to, to train those folks. In fact, I go to another hospital Tuesday next week. So this is that's exciting. And then I got a hospital system in Florida. I won't say who they are, who's, who's got 40 of their technicians they want trained. So I, these are really exciting things because what I've done is I said, look, folks, I want to give you experiential credit because everyone asks me when they come to my program, can I get credit for experience? I've been able to bake experiential credit into the technician program. So if you complete these competencies, if you get the certification, I can give you eight credit hours, no charge tuition, right? Towards a credential. And if you take safe day one, you get another one. And so I got 50% of the credential, which is all I'm allowed to give through experience. And the other 50%, they take nine credit hours and they get a credential, which is cool. My goal is to build that towards a, an associates for technicians. So, so I'm, I'm halfway there, right? And so these are the things that are happening and it's taking a while. And it's like, again, it's that whole, you know, flywheel effect. Once you get it going, it'll start generating some energy. That's what I believe. And it's also something else. And, I, and I'll mention this. Um, I've really bought into the idea of the power of and, and I've, got, I've kind of railed against the tyranny, if you will, of or, you know, the genius of and, you know, it's, it's not technical skills or academic skills. It really is technical and academic. And I'm trying to marry those two worlds together. And so that's really been, you know, I'm, and again, I think there's a way to do it. Um, I'm really working hard at it. So that's, that's, I guess that's it in a nutshell, really. You know, that's really where I'm at right now. And that's what really makes me excited about where I think I'm going. Well, and just to, I mean, obviously to reinforce your message in our recruiting work and our, you know, assessment work of departments, which is a little bit different than what you do, um, Mm-hmm. you need both of them. I mean, people get let yeah. go because they might be just strong technically. If you don't have them both, you, you can't succeed. So you are absolutely right. And you see that manifest out in the field every day. You need both of them. And it's so true. Um, Mike, the program is uh, r- distance learning, correct? Or remote learning? The Zoom you... It is. is, it's is it, it, okay. Yep. We use Blackboard. So it's, it's online. In fact, I'm the, only, I'm the only 100% online program in the system. And I'm actually, you know, again, it is at this point, I think it's the only online program or any HFL program, I think, in the country at the moment, I think, still. Excellent. That's, That's specific uh, to healthcare facilities. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, so the, as you said earlier, the whole COVID, the advent of COVID, you were already doing mm-hmm. it, being online. So it yeah. didn't, you know, impact you from... Mm-hmm. From that the only thing that changed is I'm not my home a home office, not the school office. That's all that changed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the um you know, you, you were talking about you know transitioning and you the going I'm going way back into the conversation. Are you happy that you know now that you're what, seven years in? Are you happy that you made the transition and, and what do you foresee, you know, for the future for the program for you? You know, I, I'm I miss, I miss the profession. I'll be honest. I miss it. And uh, I've actually tried, and I told the college too, I said, if I could, I actually interviewed for a position where I went there and I said, listen, um, I'd like to become a VP of ops or the role, and but I'd like to bring the program with me. I want to use this health system and these technicians, these management folks, these leadership to, to show how this can work. 
And honestly, I, I took a risk because I didn't know if they'd be receptive to it. It turned out that the managers and supervisors and directors I spoke to at the peer level were receptive. The administration was not. They, they just said, nah, it doesn't make sense to us. So, and again, I, I understood that, but I was fine with that. And I, and I pivoted to great. I, you know, I'm glad to share and hope and help any way I can. Um, so I, I've always tried to find a way to blend things together. And I think that, I think there is a way to do that. And, uh, I've actually more recently, and I, I've asked, um, the local facility, if I can get involved there more, more on a regular basis. So I can keep my skills up so I can, um, use the, the environment in the hospitals to, to show more, um, active training, if you will, especially for the technician program, you know, can I, can I take away a medical gas outlet and show the changing of the O-rings per se and things like that? You know, just do, I really want, it's funny because I really want to get back into it a little bit, somehow stay connected yeah. with it. Um, yes. so I do miss it. I, I, I miss it a lot. Project management. I miss project management. I miss, you know, emergency management even. I don't think I'd ever thought I'd say that. Um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's just interesting. I, I do miss it. Um, and so, but I've also been able to stay in touch with it in kind of an indirect way. You know, COVID, right. I probably did eight or nine different webinars, keeping up to date on COVID. You know, I'm kind of the information warehouse for that information. So I get to learn what they're learning, yep. which is neat. Yep. And I love that so about the job. I, my students are right. Yeah. My students are right. Fantastic papers on the subject so I can learn more. <laughs> so you're, well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're a life, you're a yeah. lifelong yeah. learner. Yeah. And it's, you know, so yeah, in a way you have yeah. the best of both worlds. You're connected, you're still connected, but when there's a tornado or a hurricane or a boiler goes yeah. down at night, you're not getting that call, but you you can, so you can commiserate Correct. without actually, <laughs> so you, you know, it's yes. a job. you said you, you're interviewing for the VP of ops job. And when you're interviewing yeah. with them, obviously we've talked about this, you've got your technical and you've got your soft skills. So are you, as you're interviewing, are you trying, are you telling them about how you'd like to integrate your program into the development of their facilities, folks across the system. Are, are, are you selling both yeah. to them? Yeah. Yeah. You are. I am. Interesting. I am. And, and they fit. I, I was looking for, I'm looking, I'm looking for a fit. I'm like, I know somebody out there wants that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just looking for that fit of somebody that says, you know what this, you know, we know we need development. My gosh, we know we need development and you come with it and it comes with you. And that's a big part of the job, if you will. So, so for me, I, I know that there's someone out there that sees this. I talk to people all the time about this issue in health systems, talking about this very subject, succession planning, development, you know, and where they struggle an awful lot is say, well, Mike, you know, we really like our tradespeople and, and, and you don't really teach them how to work on a boiler directly. And, 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 I, and again, that's, I hear that, but then I hear them go, but yeah, but they really do need no life safety infection prevention. They, and they really should know about ventilation. They really, you know, and they go through the, all the accreditation problems we have, right? Right. Which yeah. is all those lack of understanding of operationalized codes and compliance. You know, I have a, I have lots of presentations on that subject where there's a big disconnect on that issue and how we got to figure out how to bring that together. And so I, and I and the dialogue is shifting. I do hear the dialogue shifting because I talk to folks all the time. Plus, my students are shifting the dialogue. They see the value of developing their people this way. Both. Oh, you need to. Yeah. And so I, running, think I, mean, I think it's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think well, it's the time for they basically, it, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're running out of people. You know, people are retiring yeah, well, and there aren't people coming well, in. It's a numbers game at a certain extent. Yeah, point. and let me and let me say this about that. So I gave you six credentials as part of a pathway. I have about three or four more to complete. And really the goal is to, while I, my heart is for this folks in working right now, my heart is for you who've been out there 15, 20 years looking for what can I do next? And I got I'm I developed that pathway for you. I'm helping you write your personal professional story. And I'm speaking to those that are working in facilities right now as a technician or even supervision management. But at the end of the day, 
These steps are laying the groundwork for us to bring young people in. Yeah. And those young people need the path. They need to see this path. They need to see these steps. And so I'm laying it out there. And trust me, it's not just academic. I mean, I have more than just the academic. There is actually a program by the Department of Labor called 310 Building Maintenance Person that is a nice apprenticeship program that we can integrate with the academic to lay down these steps for these young people that, in, and what, and really what I'm trying to get to is I believe I can go from zero to director in less than 10 years and have high competence. Today it takes, I think, a lot longer and we can get really competent technicians and, you know, in two to four, you know? So for me, I think that's the goal. If you're super hyper competent people and the, and the precedents all around us, if you look at almost everything around us, whether it's pharmacy or it's laboratory or surgical or nursing, or you name it, they even have something called a surgical tech or medical nursing assistant now, which requires academic clinical certification. So we're just kind of late to the game, in my opinion, and we just got to figure out how to, you know, embrace it. What was the? Um, I told you I was going to say I had a lot to say about this subject. <laughs> well, when we yeah. were so Mike and I were talking, I don't know Tuesday or Wednesday yeah. about this, and I said to yeah. him, "I'm hoping to get a word in edgewise," and I mean that in a very good way because once Mike gets rolling on it, you got to you got to jump yeah. in, and I mean that as a compliment as opposed to God, would you stop talking? Um, but I do want to go back. Uh, you said that. Um, when you're interviewing with that hospital for the VP of ops role, they, they were hesitant or, or they didn't want to go there. What was their, what was their hesitancy? Did they see the value or why didn't they want to, why didn't they buy what you were selling them? And when I say selling well, in think, a good I way, think, not a bad way. Yeah. I think very directly, I could see it in the administrator's eyes when I mentioned it. And I think they thought that I couldn't do two jobs. They thought that was, I was trying to do two separate jobs. They said, they said, you know, this job is so big. This job is so big that you're not going to have time to mess with that other thing you want to keep. And I really see them as being integrated. Actually, I see it as helping the other job. I see, I have this other saying, back in the day, if people knew what you knew, you thought you might lose your job. Today, if people don't know a lot of what you know, you might lose your job. Yeah. And so I think there is a lot of still that perception out there that the person at the top knows everything and they sort of trickle it out, which is kind of an old way of thinking, if you will, just do what I tell you to do. And, 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 and I'm, I'm a believer. No, I mean, you've got to spread the knowledge. You've got to surround yourself with people who are, you know, educating and surpassing you, if you will. And so I think that that ideal of sort of like ground up education, that ideal of really developing the folks to address issues long term. Honestly, I think we give it somewhat lip service today and we haven't really committed to it. So and I, I and that's OK. I, I think that's just where our industry is. And that's it's but I think it's shifting a little bit. I think it's starting to get the idea of the power of and, if you will. And so I think that was it in a nutshell. It was very simple. I think, we're like, no, we want you to be dedicated to us. Yeah. And they couldn't see how it, they couldn't see how it was connected. And, and that's OK. I, I get that a lot, honestly. Right. And I can see, you know, I can see their point of view in that regard. It's a big job. You've got a lot of accountabilities and obviously succession planning and growing your employees is a part of it. You can't do one without the other. But I could see where it would be, especially this day or these days, because you're right. I mean, I think healthcare is lagging a little bit behind other, you know, other disciplines. You're kind of selling something at the forefront of it and you're not there yet. Yeah. Let me let me let me give you two real quick stories. Very short. First one is my biggest challenge as a director of facilities over the 20 some years I was doing it was the development of my management. They are very competent technically, but when it came to actually understanding the implications of codes, compliance, regulations, standards, and all that kind of stuff, they were quite challenged. 
And they really felt like they had the skill set down. They didn't need those other skill sets. And that was the challenge. I'll be honest. That was a challenge for me to try to get them to embrace those skill sets. The other thing was this story. And this is, a, I love this story because one of my students was a technician. He, he called me, said, listen, Mike, he goes, I just have to tell you what I did. He just finished taking the infection prevention class. And he's a technician. He's on second shift. And he said, we had this flood in the ER in a hallway. And he goes, so what I did was, he goes, I cornered off the area. I made sure animal life safety was in place. I only did half the hallway. I closed it off. I took the ceiling tile out. I, I knew I had to dry it out, but I didn't want to create an infection issues. So I filled out an ICRA. He goes, I went ahead and I, I ventilated the space. I made sure that uh, it was all dried out. you know. And next morning, I showed my manager and I showed the infection prevention nurse. And they were just like, fantastic, good job. Now, I mean, what's so poignant about that story is this is a second shift maintenance person doing this. With no calling anybody, <laughs> he just did it, and he's telling me because, hey, Mike, you know, I just knew I needed to do this. He he addressed interim life safety, he addressed infection prevention, he took care of the issue, and he did it without ever involving anybody. And to me, that's sort of the magic, you know. When you yeah. get that kind of magic with your personnel, a lot of your problems go away. Right, you know, if you're not getting a stop on the second shift, you're happy. <laughs> you don't yeah, want going that. Back to, going back, yeah, going back to ISO. Going back to ISO 9004, 1994, the whole idea behind that is, is you take care of all your foundational issues so you can go on to keep improving. You don't sit there and fight the same fight day in and day out, year after year. You solve them. And you put systems and processes and training in place to solve them. And, and, that's, and that's it in a nutshell. And, and not that you can, you can do that with everything, but you can do that with many things. And I found that in my career, I was able to do that. I was able to solve problems that lasted, that were going on forever, clean them up, get rid of them. And guess what? Now we just maintain that issue and we move on. And I feel like that's kind of the opportunity in front of us. You know, we have the opportunity to take sort of address some of these longstanding issues, put them behind us and really start working towards that, that goal of really continuing to improve the environment for that patient and the personnel and the staff in a way like we never have before. Cause I tell, I say all the time, we are clinically involved. The outcome of patients in our hospitals are directly tied to what we do and don't do. And, and I think that's, that's, I think that's the passion, the heart of almost everybody that works in healthcare facilities. They know that and they want to do a great job and they want to serve the patient. And I think that, again, we would agree that in the power of and it's a combination of our skill sets, our soft skills and our knowledge and continuous education that's going to make that happen. So yeah, I'm in that fight. Yeah. So I am uh so one final, final question. And again, I am talking to Mike Canales. Mike is the Healthcare Engineering Program Director at Owensboro Community and Technical College in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mike, this may seem like a dumb question based on everything that you've said over the past 45 minutes or so, which has been fantastic. Who is this program for? Oh, uh, I love that question. This program really is, the way I'm designing it today, it is for you who's been working in healthcare for any really period of time. But really, the sweet spot are those 35 to 55-year-olds who haven't had a chance to um, you know, the, the, the opportunity to, to advance, to be inspired and, and to grow. I mean, it really, that's the sweet spot. That's who I think it's really, really designed for, especially the HFL leadership management program. Don't get me wrong. It is for everybody to come in also, but that's who today, I think that's the, that's the, we talk about succession planning. Those folks are going to, they really are the leaders of the, of tomorrow. That's the leaders of tomorrow. Um, but I'm also establishing the pathway for young people to come in. You know, I talk all the time about serving the underserved. You know, we have the opportunity to reach out and bring people into this profession, which is a fantastic profession, if we can have a great pathway for them. So really, I'm trying to expand it to both. Today, the way it's designed right now, HFL, it is really for people who are going from to lead, supervisor, manager, director, 
or an administrator who needs those core competencies. That's who it's designed for today at this moment and in it, it, the form that I put together the last six years. But it's expanding. The goal is to expand it. And I do want to give one other clarification on something you said earlier. And again, it was a small thing, but you know, all of us with CHFM, we're all proud of our numbers, especially us early ones. I got my, you said 2013, I earned it in 2003 and my number was 331. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> know, that's a, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just looking, there is a difference between 2003 and 2013. In fact, you know, the, the difference, I mean, just as a, as a Red Sox fan in 2003, the Red Sox had never won a World Series uh, yeah. since yeah, so 03 and then 04. Big differences between 2003 and 2013. Um, I agree. So thank you. Thank you for grabbing that. Uh, boy, that I, and it's right there on paper. I need my glasses. Mike. No, that's fine. Thank that's, you. Fine. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for uh, Thank you for listening on the High Reliability Podcast. Mike Canales, thank you for the information. Again, if you want more, go to the website, Owensboro Community and Technical College. You can find everything that Mike has talked about. Thank you for your time today. Peter Martin, Gosselin Martin Associates, thank you for listening to High Reliability, and we'll join you soon. Mike, thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pete.